Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the MedTalk podcast. You're listening to the interview we've done with Norman Lamb, former government minister and campaigner on mental health and Mental Health Awareness Day. Norman talks to us about funding and mental health for young people and why he has joined the advisory board of digital mental health firm Senzo. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for agreeing to do this. Um, Pleasure. Um, first of all, I'd just like, like to ask you about your appointment. Uh, why, why did you take up the appointment? Um, well, I took it up because uh, I think that this uh, it, whole area is critically important for us to understand and uh, to develop. Um, we have a massive issue um, with access to support, uh, particularly for young people, but it's uh, not exclusively young people. Uh, but we know that uh, it's only a minority of young people, teenagers and young people with mental health problems, uh, with a diagnosable uh, mental health problem, get access to support. That's not an acceptable situation. Uh, we would never tolerate it in any area of uh, physical health care. Uh, but we have a fundamental problem that we have people waiting very long periods of time for access to support. Uh, just by way of example, I was with a constituent last week uh, with her 15-year-old son who'd waited just short of a year for an appointment through CAMS, uh, and he has complex problems. He's been out of school for most of the last year. Uh, I regard that as intolerable. Um, and so with the situation we face and with massive issues about uh, workforce, simply being able to recruit enough people to provide care entirely in the traditional way. We have to, I think, look at new ways to uh, provide uh, early support to people uh, and in a way that may help stop a deterioration and may help uh, an individual then get on with their lives. And there's also, I should say, a sort of personal aspect to this. Our son, Archie, who's now 31 and is in a much better place and doing well uh, in the music business. But at the age of 16, he uh, finally spoke out to us about what he was going through. And uh, he was uh, subsequently diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, which for anyone who knows about it, it is a really punishing condition where you cannot escape dark thoughts which make you feel like you're a bad person. Uh, and of course, it, as a teenager, if you're feeling like that and, and literally can't escape, you, you fear speaking to anyone because it reveals uh, that you are a bad person who has bad thoughts. And, and so you hide it away. And he subsequently told us that he'd been trying to cope with these fears and thoughts for the best part of two years. And it, it, it's painful as a parent to hear that. Uh, but if he had had access to uh, support, particularly on an anonymous basis, because that's one of the great aspects of COOF, uh, the platform, the youth platform, you can go on, find information, ask questions, involve yourself in chat rooms that are all moderated and if necessary get um, counselling support online but you can do it anonymously and 
And I was just thinking, God, if that had been available to him, um, it might have prevented a horrific deterioration. So it was something that I was uh, fascinated by, had a personal interest in. Um, and if I can uh, use my uh, position and role um, uh, to um, support the development of uh, critically an evidence-based approach, uh, then I think it's something worthwhile. And the role itself, uh, sorry incidentally for the long answer, but the role itself, uh, a, a substantial part of it will be in a way to hold Zenzone's feet to the fire to make sure that they stay true to their objective of building an evidence base, um, of staying clinically focused, uh, of not cutting corners, uh, and to chair an advisory board which will include clinicians um, and people who have experienced mental ill health. Um, I was impressed by a company willing to be held to account in that way. Uh, and that gave me the reassurance that it was something worth doing. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Norman. It, it's great to hear Archie's doing better now as well. What do you think, just before we get onto some of the more digital interventions, what do you think um, some of the current barriers are for people accessing mental health services within the NHS? Well, uh, I would always make the case for more funding. Um, mental health has been... Uh, traditionally uh, disadvantaged, um, and that continues. Um, uh, it's marginally better now than um, a, a few years ago, but it's uh, it's still disadvantaged. We know that the share of um, disability impact um, uh, uh, that mental health makes up is well over 20%, and yet the funding is uh, it's about 10-11% of the NHS budget. And of course, the, uh, at the lower end, the sort of preventive early intervention end, which is uh, where local authorities have a role, uh, we've seen very significant cutbacks in uh, funding for those preventive measures. Um, now, um, uh, 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 we will have to continue to make the case for uh, improved funding for prevention for early intervention. Uh, 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 including digital support. But I think also there, there another barrier um, is how the money is spent within the NHS. Uh, I brought together a group of reformers uh, within mental health care, uh, and it included Matthew Patrick, the Chief Executive of uh, South London and Maudsley, Geraldine Strathdee, the former National Clinical Director uh, for Mental Health, Andy Bell, and then a, a host of psychiatrists, psychologists, GPs, and people who've experienced mental ill health, all of whom take the view that the current way in which we support people um, is suboptimal and needs reform. And we call it care, not containment. Um, the, the fascinating but also disturbing thing is that we spend a significant proportion of mental health budgets on in effect, institutional care, which often breaches people's human rights. Um, and uh, we highlight in the report the uh, extent to which England and the UK as a whole um, has longer bed stays than other comparable countries. If you compare the UK or England in particular with Australia, uh, 
teenagers and young people have an average length of stay in England of 72 days in a, in a CAMS bed. In Australia, it's 10 days. Uh, not to say everything in Australia is, is perfect, but it's a very different model of care. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is tying uh, up an awful lot of the money in uh, institutional care, uh, which if we could uh, reduce that because it's often not clinically effective, then we could invest uh, the savings that we could realise in early intervention, in prevention, in a workforce that is redesigned to support people at a much earlier stage. Norman, I think you may have touched on this next question, so apologies if we cover um, ground sure. we've already covered, but what kind of reforms specifically do you think is needed in the provision of support to help children and young people? So I think it's this um, recognition that a sort of repair model, this is the whole system um, focuses, focuses inadequately on repairing damage once it's been done. And then we have this problem that only um, a third or whatever of children, teenagers and young people with diagnosable mental health problems actually ever get support um, when the damage has been done. So that's not working. It, it needs, frankly, disruption and change. And there's very rarely, if you think about it, any real focus on how we can prevent mental ill health in the first place. Um, I'm chair of the Science and Technology Select Committee. We did a report on adverse childhood experience. And, and the fact that we now have a have clear correlation tying adversity in childhood to the emergence of mental health problems in teenage years. Um, there's also lots of evidence of interventions in early years that are effective to prevent uh, the trauma or abuse becoming entrenched and yet we don't apply that evidence across the country. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I, I think there's an overwhelming need to rethink how we um, spend money uh, on mental health and to focus primarily on preventing uh, problems emerging in the first place, uh, uh, where they do emerge to intervene quickly, uh, as much as possible to avoid uh, over-pathologizing, over-medicalizing, uh, uh, problems, um, and that's why I think that uh, digital has to play a significant part. It's not the solution on its own, but it's it's got to be part of the uh, new uh, landscape of support for children, young people, uh, and indeed for adults as well. Yeah, and a, a digital service which is sort of free and easily accessible, like Coof, uh, which is one of, one of Zenzone's services, how attractive is that to someone suffering from mental health issues as a, as a, a service to go to first, potentially? Well, I, I, I think it's potentially enormously attractive. I, I'm arranging at the moment, uh, it hasn't, well, I haven't done it yet, but I'm arranging to visit a school, probably in Essex, where they have Coof. Uh, available just to talk to young people about their experience. I've talked to a couple of young people, ambassadors, um, uh, who've been through the whole process. Um, And uh, I just, you know, when you hear a young person describe how uh, being able to talk to other people who've gone through, going through similar uh, issues, uh, being able to talk anonymously, 
um, being able to talk uh, and, in, and engage uh, at any time of the uh, day or, or, or night, um, how they found it more helpful than the traditional type of service. Um, you have to take that quite seriously. Um, as I said earlier, we, we, we have to build the evidence base because we want to make sure that what we're doing is actually effective. I'm only interested in interventions that are effective, uh, and I would only put my name to um, uh, a company that was willing uh, and determined to build that evidence base, working with academics, with Centre for Mental Health and so forth. So um, I think uh, we've got a great opportunity to um, uh, provide something that will be a, a, a real value for young people. Uh, and when, when you're a teenager and you're trying to cope with all of the challenges of growing up anyway, and then you have to cope with a mental health problem on top of that, being able to get access to something that's reliable and um, uh, and, and easily available, I think, is is a very attractive proposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norman, um, I've got two questions to sort of link here. I mean, one's a broad question in that: how can te- technology firms help? And following on that, I read an article recently where you were, um, which you uh, interviewed yourself. Um, and following from that article in particular, has there been any change from your point of view? since 2017 or so when it comes to the NHS adopting new technologies around mental health? Well, so I think, I mean, what we are seeing is an encouraging um, increase in the number of clinical commissioning groups that are um, uh, engaging with COOF um, uh, and making it available to young people in their areas. So the percentage of CCGs uh, making it available to young people has increased very significantly. I think it's now between 60 and 70 percent. Um, and, and interestingly, uh, I mean, you know, uh, I didn't sort of really particularly think about this at the time, but when I published Future in Mind, which was uh, in March 2015, shortly before the general election, um, uh, and we this was in effect a blueprint for the modernization of children and young people's mental health services. Uh, and a lot of the time I feel very frustrated that the government hasn't really driven that reform uh, agenda. Um, I think they could have, because we at the same time, Nick Clegg in the final coalition budget secured an extra 1.25 billion for children's mental health. And in the first year we said, um, you to every area of the country, you'll get your share of this this year's money, uh, provided you uh, get your all of the stakeholders together, produce a transformation plan for how you're going to change the way in which your uh, children's mental health services work, focusing much more on prevention. Um, and, um, uh, 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 and and once you've done that, you'll get your share of the money. And it, it worked because every area produced a transformation plan um, and some were better than others, but it started a process of change. Uh, the problem was in subsequent years, they just put it into the baseline funding of CCGs. And so uh, they weren't using the money effectively to drive change. They could have used it as a lever 
to continue the shift towards prevention, early intervention. So, so I'm very frustrated overall, but uh, what it clearly did lead to is a load of CCGs recognising that giving digital support to teenagers in particular early on was a, a sensible uh, part of their reform agenda. So it did lead to, I think, a significant uh, increase in um, uh, uh, engagement between Cooth and CCGs around the country. Uh, I've only discovered that uh, since um, uh, joining Cooth uh, or joining Zenzo, but um, uh, it at least demonstrated that uh, the whole process of Future in Mind and the transformation plans did lead to some uh, action across the country to uh, focus much more on prevention and early intervention. Mm-hmm. And, and do you think um, those digital interventions can sort of combat the, the, the variation in care that we've seen across the UK in terms of NHS trusts, whether it being their location to other mental health services that young people can't particularly access very quickly? I think it can help. Uh, it, it's not the, t- the solution on its own, but I think it can absolutely help. If in every part of the country young people get access to Cooth um, or indeed another um, alternative provider, provided it's uh, evidence-based mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and robust. Uh, and critically, I mean, this is, this is another aspect of Cooth and the way Zenzone operates that I was attracted by. It's, um, it's, not, it, it's not isolated from existing mental health services so that if um, they identify a teenager, say a 15-year-old, who's displaying concerning signs, possibly about risk of self-harm or something more serious, um, or that they are displaying uh, evidence of a uh, a mental health condition that requires a, a, a more um, uh, in-depth intervention, clinical intervention, then they are referred straight into the local uh, mental health system, um, Zenzone will have an identifiable person that they get referred straight into so that it helps to prioritise cases where there's clearly a need for an early response. Uh, so I think, you know, that, that, um, if that if we can develop that network across the country, then I think it can have an impact in reducing the awful variation. I mean, you know, this area of the country where I'm based, uh, Norfolk, is is one of the most challenged um, in terms of delays. I mentioned the length of time a 15-year-old constituent had had to wait nearly a year. Um, uh, So I think it can help to uh, uh, provide access across the country uh, to some support, but then it's critical that alongside that, uh, local CANs operate in a way uh, that um, enables someone to seek uh, to obtain early help uh, when a clinical intervention, a, a more um, uh, specialised clinical intervention is necessary. Uh, Norman, when it comes to variation, I mean, is one possible solution to this? to make it almost uh, 
base it on the national curriculum and educate young people from a young age about their mental health. Because, for example, when I've accessed services myself, it seems as though even, even grown adults don't seem to be that educated about mental health and what it can do to you. I totally agree. It, it, it's got to be uh, part of the national curriculum. The government does plan this. Um, uh, there's legislation being passed through Parliament fairly recently. Um, of course, it all depends on how it's actually delivered. Um, and, and, of course, it's critical that the staff who deliver it have the skills uh, and, indeed, the empathy uh, to deliver uh, good mental health uh, guidance uh, and education. But I, I think for us all to have a better understanding as we grow up uh, about our own mental health, we all have mental health, it just depends where we are on the spectrum, um, whether it's good mental health or uh, mental health that is distressed or challenged in any way. Um, so it must be something that everybody benefits from in school. And that necessitates also for all teachers, uh, not just a few, but for all teachers to uh, have as part of their core training a better understanding of mental health. I hear just too many stories of um, children, perhaps particularly boys, being told. I mean, I had an awful story of, uh, from a constituent who, whose son uh, clearly faces challenges and the uh, a, a teacher at the school had said, "There's nothing, nothing wrong with you, uh, with, with him. He's just a naughty little boy," and and that sort of lack of understanding needs to be challenged, and we need to have a much more sophisticated understanding across the workforce, more generally. Uh, it's not to, to say that they need specialist understanding, but they need to understand what might be going on so that they can make the necessary referral so that the individual can get help or to encourage them to look at Cooth. You know, that, that's the potential beauty of, uh, of, of this being available everywhere. Well, I think we've covered a lot there, Norman, so thank you very much for your time. Um, I'm going to wish you all the best this week. <laughs> because, yeah, uh, feel I need it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we all do to, to one extent or another. Um, <laughs> I think we could well be plunged into a general election within days. So um, uh, it's, uh, and I have made, I don't know whether you noticed, but I made the announcement last week that I was standing down after uh, over 18 years of intense uh, effort. Um, and, and so, you know, for me, this is a particularly difficult and rather traumatic moment that um, my uh, working life, may suddenly take a very dramatic uh, change um, and it will, be, it will be a complete leap into the dark but I am uh, very committed to continuing to work on the causes that, um, uh, that I care about. I we'll look forward to uh, seeing what, what you do in the future as well Norman. Pleasure, good, yeah. many thanks, good, very good to speak to you. Thank you Norman. Thanks. All the best now. Bye Cheers. Bye bye. bye. bye.